welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Kyle Porter, the namesake. Uh, happy 2019. Happy New Year, Kyle. We are sitting here recording on January 2nd with our first tournament preview of the 2019 calendar year. We spent so much of December making our predictions for what would happen over the coming season that I honestly, from like the, the golf coverage standpoint, I am really excited about the Tournament of Champions. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh... It's going to be great. I'm excited about this year. I thought this in 2018, and I'm still thinking about 2019. You're going to get one of these years in here, whether it's this year or 2020 or, or one of them that's just like a, a historically great year. Last year was good. It was really good. Tiger won, kept getting two majors, but there wasn't – I don't know. None of the – None of the majors were like super classic showdowns between two big time guys. You're, you're going to get one year where everything converges, and it could be this year. And and I'm and so like that idea, that kind of dangling out there, always has me excited for a for a new golf year. Uh, before we get to the expert picks from Kyle and the preview of the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua, a couple of headlines that we want to get to, the first of which being something that we have talked about before here on the First Cup Podcast, and it is the idea of potentially having in-round interviews. Now, we had it a little bit. We got to see a taste of it in the match. We've discussed how this is something they already do on the European Tour. Um, where how, how much validity do we have? Because I feel like this was a headline that I got more excited about talking to you about than I did actually researching the likelihood that we're going to see it anytime soon. Well, <laughs> it almost feels like something that got pushed out there to kind of excite me. Yeah. And to, and, and like sort of an offshoot of that to like force players hands. Ooh. Like, Hey, Hey, look, all these people are excited about this. But I mean, even in the article, it was, it was a good article by Doug Ferguson uh, of Associated Press. He was talking about how, Justin Thomas has already said, yeah, I'm out. Rory's said, I'm out. Uh, Rory's actually been asked or approached on the European tour, and he he just, he doesn't do it. Kepka's kind of said, maybe. Uh, Somebody, Mark Leishman said he's in. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty hit or miss. And I don't know that, I think it's cool because it's, because it's unique. This can't happen in football. It doesn't happen in, in baseball or basketball, at least not yet. Uh, it could in baseball, I guess. And we've, I guess it could in basketball, too. Well, we've got it with the coaches. Um, yeah, you've got it with the coaches, but you don't have it with the players. Don't have it with and, the and players. And that's, right. that's where golf is unique in that you've got so much downtime between shots and the ability – and it already happens that, that reporters and, and TV people are on the field of play, so to speak, with these guys – and and we saw it in the match, right? We saw Shane Bacon with with uh, with Tiger and Phil, and it and it's great because you're you're you feel like you're right there, and even if they're saying nothing, even if they're bland, you still feel closer to what's going on uh, than if you were than than when they're not doing it. Just because Alabama's football players all speak the robotic code that Nick Saban put in their brain does not make it any less important for me to get a microphone and a camera in front of them. I, I thought uh, Alabama's football players spoke Hawaiian. No, that's just it's <laughs> it's so funny. While the uh, while the face of the franchise, so to speak, in Tua Tagovailoa certainly has exuded a lot of the Ohana and Hawaiian culture. Uh, you go talking to the defensive line room; that culture is still very much SEC football. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I I think that in the same. How about this? Mike Shashevsky doesn't do those. Have you ever noticed that? 
Uh, yeah, he sends like uh, Wojo. Oh, I guess Wojo's not there anymore. Like, well, uh, now it's John Shire, and it was oh, it was Capel, but then Capel, Capel yeah. got the pit job, so now it's going to be John Shire, and I'm sure it was Chris Collins at some point. But essentially, I I would not be surprised at all if there is if this gets put into place and there is a small circle of stars that says I'm out, like you just mentioned. Now. The question is, is that something that's going to be uh, across the board or do we see a gravitation towards stars who do agree to this kind of access and then therefore, depending on the tournament, you might get a little more. When when Jordan Spieth is at the Byron Nelson, for example, he decides that he's like, well, you know, everybody's, you know, he, he's, he's got to be all access at those tournaments anyway. Why not add a corporate sponsorship little interview on top of it. It's just going to be not at the major championships or maybe even at some of those, you know, high major non-major championships. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think I think what you're going to see, I think it's going to happen uh because it already happens on the European tour right. and it almost it almost doesn't matter who the guy is. I mean, it does like am I more interested in what JT has to say during his round than like uh you know, JB Holmes. Yeah, sure. Of course. Or DA points. I don't know why I'm coming up with all the initial guys, but, uh, <laughs> but like it's going to happen because there's no, there's no downside to the PGA tour. Like what's what's the downside? They've already got people out there, right? They've already got, they've already got cameras. They've already got reporters. Like there's no, there's not necessarily a cost. And okay. Maybe you have to like ask a guy if he wants to talk, but the, it's our. It's it, here's the thing. It's difficult enough to fill four, five, six, seven, eight hours of a broadcast. It's just, it's hard. I mean, it's not like we get on to these guys for like, oh, you should have said. It's like what? Try talking about something for like seven hours. It's difficult. And so, to be able to break that up and fill stuff in with player commentary, there's just there's not really a downside. So I think it's going to happen. And it's just from there a matter of of who's on board and who's not. I did a National Signing Day live show that was eight hours. It was brutal. Did you? I mean, what what do you do after that? How do you recover from that? Um, I don't. I don't remember. I mean, it was it was down in Fort Lauderdale. We were on set. We had a couple prospects come in that broke it up. We interviewed a couple coaches that broke it up. Yeah, the breaking it up is re-energizing, right? Yeah, that's the only thing that you can do. I mean, yeah, and you're right because I was thinking I was like, wow, what is the value? of two minutes in a PGA tour broadcast, 100%. It is way, way less than any player saying anything. I mean, that is like, uh, yeah. you know, think about how the younger stars of the game would be more willing to be a part of that and how yeah. the ones that have really embraced social media already, or just straight up have grown up with social media as a part of their lives would understand that, you know, they're they by being willing to do these interviews, you're going to be able to connect with more people. Well, and that's the thing, right? This is less about 2019 and more about 2029. When some kid who's nine growing up just sees that this is how things are done, and he becomes the number four player in the world someday, and he he never thinks that you can't do it. He never thinks that you can opt out of it. It's just a thing that you do. And so I think that's that's what's smart about what both the European Tour and apparently the PGA Tour are doing is setting themselves up for a, for a, a future that's closer to the players. Okay. Um, before we get to tournament champion picks, speaking of European tour, I wanted to talk about Rory McIlroy, who at some of the press availability made some headlines for uh, calling the European tour a stepping stone. Now, Kyle, is he stabbing his European brothers in the back? 
Is the the heart and soul of Team Europe just just trashing the the team flag right now, or or is there something that with a little bit of context uh, makes this look a little less salacious? Well, I mean, it, it yeah, the the way it's printed doesn't come off uh, great. But it's also, I don't know, it's not wrong. It's almost like, remember a couple of years ago when, I think it was Rory said, Tiger and Phil are on the back nine of their career. No, I, <laughs> and, and people are like, oh, and it's like, well, I mean, that's like technically true. Like, I don't, I don't, what do you want? What do you want him to say? Oh, they're on the front nine. They're going to play until they're 80. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't expect everybody to have that Tom Brady kind of optimism. And so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so what what you've seen, and I went back and looked at uh, Justin Rose, I looked at Henrik Stenson, and and I think this is what happened with Sergio as well, and it's definitely what happened with Rory. You see these guys that come up on the European Tour, and and in their early 20s, or even when they're teenagers, they're playing 25 events, 28 events on the European Tour. And then you see when they turn like 28 or 29, it goes down to like 20 events. And then in their 30s, it starts going down even more to where they're playing like 10 events or 12 events or 13 events or, or whatever it is. And so like, it's not, it, this is not a thing that I guess what I'm saying, this is not a thing that's only true of Rory. It's a thing. It's a thing that happens with everybody. If the best players are over here, why would you play over there? Sure. And it has not, it has nothing to do with European loyalty. It has nothing to do with the Ryder cup, anything like that. It's all about for Rory. And this goes back to him uh, talking about that book called essentialism of like a singular pursuit. I, I felt, I think he, I, I think he probably felt like his time was just too divided, too split, not even his time necessarily, but maybe mentally everything was too split up to where he just, as a 30 year old, he just wants to say, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do it as well as I can. I'm going to win as many majors as I can over the next 10 years. And this is how I think I can do that. And I have no problem with that. I think that's great. I thought that he did a little bit in terms of revealing the motivations of the modern player when he discussed the sponsorship contracts that he and a lot of other of golf's major stars have. Uh, Those sponsorship contracts are tied to world ranking and world ranking points. And because of that, there's more motivation to play in PGA Tour events where you get more world ranking points um, for some of your successes than you would on the European Tour. And that sort of had me back in that back in that space of, you know, we're trying to psychoanalyze the, the game that's mastered by sociopaths. But like at the same time, you're like, okay, you know, you have an interesting golf economy where if whatever like we could change the way the world ranking system is done like i think a lot of people would suggest like oh you know we need to change the you know we need to change the formula up but there's just so much of golf's money base that is based around that system that it's almost like it's too late or it would have too far of an impact for anyone to want to get around and change it now and that that focus on world ranking points when to me i have sort of scoffed off and laughed off the world rankings altogether has uh, really changed my perspective. Yeah, it, it it is pretty interesting, and I think that I think that because golf has gotten more competitive at the at the very top in the last seven years, like when like when Rory was became number one in whenever that was eleven or twelve or ten or whatever it was, I think it was twelve. I don't know when it was. Um, it you know, it wasn't like 
I, I don't think it was as competitive at the top as it is now. And so all of a sudden, the world rankings points start meaning more. All of a sudden, Rory's ranked 11th in the world. He's not right now, but he, he, he dropped out of the top 10. I think he did. Or maybe that was speed. I think they both did. Um, and so, yeah, that that's, that's a pretty interesting uh, concept that I think a lot of the top players didn't really consider before. And I think, like you said, like when you tie that to sponsorships and all the other things that go with it, it becomes even more interesting. Right. And I, he also mentioned the uh, he didn't like going to, to the Florida swing like 140th in FedEx cut points, which part of me is like, why does it that just seems like a just a thing that you're like propping up as a as a, not a real reason like who cares about that he always he's always i mean i get it like i i, I sort of understand what he's saying because you want momentum or whatever but i i don't that's never seemed like something that he would care about right so i don't know maybe that's just uh, maybe that's just another uh sort of reason that he's using um but yeah it, it, I, I think you're going to hear fedex cup points and and world ranking points talked about more over the next few years than maybe you have before. It's like uh, bowl incentives when uh, you yeah. know, you're going to get another half a million dollars if you win that game. Yeah. 200,000. Just like, I just, I just started imagining that there's all these tickers and all these bonuses built into these sponsorship deals that, you know, have to do with where you finish in the world rankings, whether you crack certain rankings. I mean, it is, it almost like video game esque different, unlock different achievements, access yeah. more money. <laughs> It really is. That's a great point. And uh, yeah, I'm sure he's not going to be the only one that that uh, talks about that either. All right. Uh, we will get nine predictions for 2019 right after the break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Kyle, you have made nine. Count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine predictions for 2019. I have not seen them. I do not have them pulled up. I want to hear them. Yeah, I just I want to get your just hot take reaction from each one of them. Number one, Jordan Spieth wins three times in 2019. About wrong. He's going to win four times. <laughs> Player of the year season for Jordan Spieth. Number two, Phil Mickelson drops out of the top 50 in the world golf rankings. Uh, as an aside, he's been in the top 50 since I was seven or since I was eight years old, 1993. Holy cow! I was about to say. Uh, I was about to be surprised that he's still in the top 50. I had no idea that that was the case. Obviously, the crooked world rankings keep, uh, keep <laughs> boosting him up so that he can. He's. I'll tell you what. If there's somebody who's mastered the algorithm of the world rankings to make more money, it's Phil Mickelson. Oh, yeah. He's, for sure. <laughs> he's, he's cracked it the way that Jerry Palm cracked the BCS formula back in the 90s. <laughs> He's figured out a way to activate every Callaway sponsorship goal. Um, I don't, it's tough because it, as, as we saw from the match, I will believe that at this point in Phil's career, if he really puts his mind to something, though not too much, as we've also seen from this year, <laughs> if he really puts his mind to something, he can get his game pretty sharp. And I could see that if he started to really have things slide, 
I bet he would be able to get a win in him that would keep him in the top 50. So I'll disagree. Okay. Uh, Dustin Johnson wins his second major championship. Do you know what's, uh, what's your prediction of which one it is? Pebble. Mm. That would be, uh, it'd be a nice bookend cause you go DJ Kepka Kepka DJ at the U S open. And, and so much of Pebble is going to be tiger and Phil. Yeah. That but would DJ's DJ's won the, the pro-am, uh, I think twice. I was, I was just trying to think from like the dumb, dumb national storyline. Like we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how it's Phil's last chance or how tiger is suited to be able to go and get this major. And then after a week of tiger, Phil DJ just comes out and smokes the field. Yeah. That seems see very appropriate. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods versus Ricky Fowler and Phil Mickelson is the new uh, the match. Uh, I'm going to hope that it's true, and I'm going to take Ricky and Phil. Mm, that'd, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. Uh, Justin Thomas wins the Masters. And then my first sentence after that was send help. I don't need to be making <laughs> I don't need I don't need to be making masters predictions a hundred days out. <laughs> Holy are you gonna rock with it the way you did with Ricky? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you mean, that, that, that that whole deal is like you pick you pick somebody with a trajectory, one of the fourteen guys or whatever. And then you just and then you just find stats to back it up. It's like it's like picking the college football playoff. There's there's no like formula. Right. You just you're just retroactively applying whatever data you want to apply to justify your pick. Right. And you can do you can do that with one of I don't know twenty guys, fifteen guys, whatever it is. And so then it's just arguing about it from there. Well, I mean, for me, it's not as much the you know the act of of carrying it out as much as. Uh, wanting to see if you're so steadfast that you'll avoid getting cold feet, but it sounds like your stubbornness is strong enough that you're not going to. I wish I had my text from last year when I uh, told our our uh, group chat that I pick, that I was picking Ricky to win the Masters. <laughs> oh, I got just I got murdered. Like a Twitter, do your best. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I said I said I, everybody was saying who they picked, and I said I got Ricky, and somebody in the chat said. For this week or for the or for the Houston <laughs> Open? <laughs> I I mean, so where my mind goes when I think about Justin Thomas winning the Masters is is what what's the style of win going to be? Is it going to be one super low round that just kind of breaks the the race open? Is it going to be a crowded leaderboard at the top? You know, is he just going to go nuclear on the weekend with like a 66, 65? I, that's, I think that because Justin Thomas on a heater is one of the most exciting things in golf in 2019, I'm excited to think about the way his Augusta National March might go. That's a good point uh, because the, we've seen – We've seen all of those in recent in recent years. I you know I think I think last year it was probably Patrick Reed making two eagles on, on Saturday. I feel like a lot of time we see a, a Saturday round kind of win it, um, but sometimes you'll see a Saturday Sunday combo. Sometimes you'll see a collapse, where obviously with Spieth, which allows somebody else to come through. Sometimes you'll see it won on a Friday. I thought yeah. Bubba Watson. I thought Bubba Watson won it on a Friday in fourteen when he beat Spieth, and just got to play defense the rest of the way. 
Yeah, and then sometimes you'll see somebody emerge from the pack, like Schwartzel and eleven. I mean, there's so many different ways to to win that thing that I think, yeah, it's a, it's a good point that I don't I don't know what his I don't know if he even really has a style. I'd have to look at his numbers closer, but that's a that's an interesting take on that. Um, yeah, I think I think that I'll, I'll stand by that one. Justin Thomas on a heater is one of the three most exciting things in golf in 2019. Is Phil Mickelson on tilt another one of the three? <laughs> no. I was going to give Tiger just a blanket one of those and let the other one be something that I hadn't thought of yet. Uh, okay. Speaking of Tiger, uh, number six, Tiger, Wood, Tiger Woods wins zero times. Fair. Not a hot take. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I picked him to win last year too, so I, I people can't accuse me of just hating Tiger. Um, re- there's bound to be... There, there's bound to be not like it's impossible for me to imagine a completely linear trajectory here. So yes, I agree. I don't imagine him to fall off completely, but it would not surprise me if the wins are elusive and if the winning opportunities become frustrating for fans. Yeah, because here's the thing. I mean, we, I think we talked about this. He's going to play less. There's going to be fewer opportunities to win and I'm not betting that necessarily Tiger's going to fall off the planet. I'm just betting that winning is hard and that right. he's not going to do. I mean, it's it, you're playing. You're just kind of playing the odds there, essentially. Cool. Yeah, I can rock with that. Okay, number seven, uh, Sung J M, not Cameron Champ, wins PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. You know him. You know him better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number eight, uh, the. <laughs> The college to PGA Tour pipeline becomes the off the course story of the year. Because we'll have um, who else? Like, are you talking about from like Stanford, Oklahoma State, or just in general, the idea that the NCAA champions have been making a splash on the PGA Tour? No. So there's there's something in the works. There there's a um, a PGA Tour initiative to essentially assimilate some of the top college guys onto the PGA tour without having to pay them. Qu- well, with no, oh, geez, without having where have to, I seen this one before <laughs> without having to qualify in a different way. So right now, if you leave college, how do you get on the PGA tour? It's, it's, it's a mess. It's complicated. You have to, you can go to web.com qualifying school, get on the web tour, then get to the PGA tour. You can get enough exemptions and then earn enough money. This is what Jordan Spieth did uh, that, that makes you a temporary member. That's what uh, Joaquin Neiman did as well. So there's just, there's no real, like, not, I'm not even easy, but there's no natural path to the PGA Tour. And so the PGA Tour is trying to create a more natural path from college onto its, uh, in, onto its tours. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily to the PGA Tour, maybe the web tour as well. And I think that's a big deal. I think that's, um, I don't know. I, I get a little weary of the roll the ball or uh, the equipment talk because I don't really think anything's going to happen. I'm already sick of the rules talk. We're two days into the year. So this this was my pick for kind of the closely associated with but not necessarily on the course story of 2019. Oh, I would I would be so much happier with that, though. Respect to Justin Thomas for uh, being a man of principle and not wanting to leave the pin in on an eight foot putt. Did you see that? Yeah. He said he wouldn't be able to take himself seriously. I, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Was that, 
was that shots fired at Bryson or was he just like, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I don't think he imagined anyone in particular when he said that. I think that he was just, that's like, that's when you're speaking openly about your code, like on the, in the Omar, every man's got to have a code. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah. no, this is, this, the, this is my moral fiber right here. And, yeah. uh, and I respect it. Yeah. That's all. That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm so sick of the rule stuff already. So I what, mean, it's, it's like, I was reading it today, like, oh, well the, the green reading, uh, booklet that you can have can be this size, but not this size. And I was like, what in the hell? If you want to take a poster out there, I don't care. Like, dude, just don't, I, I don't know that, that makes me crazy. Um, all right. What's number eight? Uh, that was number eight. Number nine is the international team wins the president's cup. Yikes. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't number nine. Uh, <laughs> the, I, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that would be, uh, <laughs> didn't we, I, I did. I, I did actually write that down and said, I'm kidding. And then I said, the U S team wins big with, uh, Tony Finau and Xander Shoffley playing prominent roles. While Patrick Reed does laps around the Great Barrier Reef with a poster board of Jordan Spieth strapped to his back to remind you who, in fact, is carrying the Stars and Stripes annually at team events. <laughs> Holy cow. Who did we have uh, backdooring his way into a qualification for the international team? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't remember. Some, we had somebody changing citizenships to uh to beef up the international team. Maybe it'll be was a it, different candidate every every week. Was it? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. But what's the real number nine? No, that was it. Just uh, that okay. the U.S. the U.S. team wins the Presidents Cup big, and Finau and Xander are both a big part of it. As the as sort of the new um the new blood gets a chance because that's that has the the same feel as the world cup the basketball world cup the former FIBA world championships between the olympics for the team usa where that's where the the young bucks like lebron won't play in that one but then you get to find out about kevin durant in international yeah. play at yeah. that level yeah yeah, that's that's a great that's a great uh, comparison. Real quick, I know we need to get to the tournament of champions, but I'm going to read you my 2018 predictions so you can laugh at them. Uh, number one, Jordan Spieth wins major. Number four, yikes! Nope. Ricky Fowler wins the Masters. Uh, PGA Tour either axes or moves two events. I actually got that one right. You did get that right. Uh, Tiger Woods wins. You got Tiger that Woods right. Wins. Come at me, bro. Uh, Patrick Cantlay moves into the top ten. I think he got to like 16. Uh, this was my worst one. Rory recovers Kepka slides. <laughs> yeah, that's Good call. you've referenced the Rory recovers Kepka slides several times. I think you've paid your penance for that. Yeah, Augusta National announces plans to lengthen uh, the 13th hole. I don't think they actually did that. Did they? I don't think so. I, yeah. I it had not been made aware to me as a headline recently. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it happened. Uh, golf media experiments with second screen as first screen. I don't really even know what that means. That was a dumb prediction. <laughs> that was dumb. Uh, Tony Fina wins and makes the Ryder Cup. He didn't win, but he, but he made the, the Ryder, Ryder Cup. Cup. And then Europe narrowly wins the Ryder Cup. I got uh, a lot of flack for that. And they didn't narrowly win. They so won that, by a lot. Was that six correct predictions? Uh, I think it was like five. Five? Four or five. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. Not bad. 
It was, it was, uh, but my bad ones were really bad. Yeah, but the the Ricky wins the Masters. I mean, if Patrick Reed gets a different bounce, Ricky yeah. does win the Masters. Yeah, I know. It's um, crazy. All right, so what are we looking for this weekend at the Tournament of Champions? Yeah, it's, um, it feels like it's going to be, it's always kind of a, a bomb fest because of that course, because drives go like stupid lengths, 450 yards or whatever. But it, it almost feels like more so this year because you've got, uh, you've got two guys playing for the first time, Rory and Cam Champ. Those are two of the four or five longest guys on tour. DJ's defending. John Rahm is coming in off of uh, his Hero World Challenge. These are all guys that are incredibly long off the tee. So it feels like distance is going to be one of the bigger storylines this week, whether we want it to or not, just because of the the guys that are competing in this that maybe don't usually, or the guys that are kind of the headliners that maybe aren't usually. Wait, so is, uh, is, it, is Kapalua, Hawaii, is that at elevation? Like are we dealing with thin air too, or what's the – no, but it, it's like the course is built into the side of a mountain, and so it's 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 really difficult to walk because it's so hilly, and so you'll catch these like speed zones on on some of the um, on some of the fairways, like on, off of drives. Oh, and it and rolls for like another eighty yards. Yeah, it just goes forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I I mean I don't know I. I think it's going to be fun just to have like a real golf tournament again. I mean, we had the Hero World Challenge. We had a bunch of fall events, but this is this is pretty legit. I mean, you've got 34 guys. you got a bunch of the top 10 in the world. Rory, DJ, JT is a good like headlining trio. Kepka's up there. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's usually fun, um, and I think it will be again this year. All right, Cam Champs. Longest drive at this course over under four hundred and twenty-eight. Over four hundred and seventy-five. Hmm. Under. Okay. I, I think it's like four sixty or four fifty or something <laughs> like that. And and I'm guessing that would immediately be like the longest drive of the season. Well, DJ DJ had that drive last year that was uh, where he almost aced the par four. It four, was uh, four thirty, four thirty two, I think four twenty eight, yeah. something like that. Uh, so yeah, he, it would be I, I'm gi- I'm giving Champ like twenty yards past that. <laughs> um, and who's our pick to win? I got DJ. Uh, I like picking like talent, like the bet the most talent after guys have been off for a long time. Uh, he won last year by eight. He's trying to become, I think, just the fifth guy ever to win this tournament three times. He's won it. He won it in, I think, thirteen, and then uh, eighteen. So last year, um, Jack Nicholas won this tournament five times, by the way, which Ooh. I did not know. Um, so yeah, I got DJ winning. I got Gary Woodland as my lock for top ten. I'm excited about him this season. He's had uh, six top tens in his last seven events worldwide, and uh, I feel like he's just. He's like just enough below the radar that you can get good odds on him if you're if you're playing fantasy or if you're you know betting on it or whatever. Um, and he's and uh, apparently he's putting really well. And normally this course favors uh, a hot week or a, a week of hot putting more than most courses on the PGA Tour, according mm-hmm. to according to Data Golf. So that's a that's a good uh, stat to keep in mind this week. He's got distance. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's he's a good player. Yeah. I think he's kind of. I think he's underrated. 
Why do you think Gary Woodland is underrated? Is it just because of his own marketability or lack thereof compared to the rest of the American stars? Yeah, he's almost like uh, Kepka light. Like from a from a personality standpoint, sure. He's just he's just kind of like just whatever, you know. Just I'm just just playing golf. Uh, so he, he's not he's not super engaging or uh, charismatic, and I think that's probably it. Andy, I mean. He hasn't won a major. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't really contended other than the PGA last year with Tiger and Kepka. Um, but who knows? Maybe. Maybe he will. It was cool when he won the Phoenix Open last year. T uh, twelve at the Open in sixteen, and then really no uh, high finishes of note in, at the Masters or the U.S. Open. Thirty four years old. Another. Another part of that. Uh, an, an, another. Another part of that sort of strange hard to place him like if i hadn't just looked yeah. it up i don't know if i would have been able to tell you how old gary woodland is he feels like both a veteran that's been around a while and yet still a young and athletic player all at the same time i know i know he really does um yeah i, I totally agree with that um and let's see any other bold predictions or, or uh anything else that you're you're following uh, I think Rory playing is interesting. He's never played here before. Uh, he's not. It's. I think it's interesting that he's not one of the top favorites. I think he's fourth or fifth, something like that. Um, so yeah, he'll be a storyline. It it almost feels like there's so many guys chip that you forget about. I'm like, oh yeah, John Rahm's playing. Like probably going to be the best player in the world someday, and he's like the sixth storyline out of the week. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to watch some some night golf where I am. Uh, some evening golf should be should be a lot of fun. What time? Uh, what time do things wrap up on Sunday? Uh, Nine p.m. on the east, on the central. So that'll be seven for you. Okay, because you'll be in in Cali, right? I will be in California. Let's do it. We'll be recording from the San Jose Marriott. Yeah, we're gonna do a um, we're gonna do a like a post tournament or a post final round uh quick podcast recap we're going to try to start doing that this year see how it goes and uh it'll be fun just to unload some thoughts right away for sure uh he is kyle porter you can follow him on twitter at kyle porter cbs you can follow me at chip underscore patterson kyle thank you very much thanks chip